I want to start with a story tonight um, about Jack and Grace. I've told this story before. I stole this story out of a book. Um, but it's a good story, so I don't mind, uh, don't mind stealing it. Um, Jack and Grace, they met through a mutual friend, and they seemed to be a perfect match. Grace was everything Jack was looking for. First five months, they were inseparable. Jack told friends he did not need to look any further. Grace was definitely the one. Several years later, Jack enjoys the comfort and familiarity of being with Grace, but, you know, the spark is gone. Uh, Grace's flaws seem more obvious, and he's beginning, beginning to resent all the time that she wants to spend with him. She asked to def better define the relationship at one point, and uh, Jack was upset. He says, isn't it enough that we're together? So he, he was upset about that. Um, obviously, Jack isn't ready for a commitment. It's unclear if he ever will be. I thought I would ask if you'd ever been in a relationship like that. You know, there are certain relationship that, relationships that God desires to be filled with passion and commitment. And that was God's design for Jack and Grace. In his relationship with Grace, however, Jack is more independent. He is non-committal. He is, he is me-centered. He has more of a, a consumer mentality. He'll just use what Grace has to offer, really, at the end of the day. So I thought I would ask you, what do you think about how Jack is treating Grace? A couple of words come to my mind. There's something you need to know. Grace is not a woman. Grace is a church. And Jack is like millions of those, millions of professed Christians who will not commit to the local church. They want to date the church. They want to hang out with the church. But they won't commit to the church. It's an epidemic in what is called modern Christendom. This is this, this story about Jack and Grace. It's Joshua Harris's introduction to his, his good little book called Stop Dating the Church. Uh, it's a book where he challenges Christians to make a passionate commitment to the local body of Christ. He writes this, the strongest argument I know for why you and I should love and care about the church is that, oh, guess what? Jesus does. <laughs> yeah, He died for her, right? The greatest motivation we could ever find for being passionately committed to the church is that Jesus is passionately committed to the church. So I'll stop and ask you right here. You can do personal inventory. Are you like Jack? Do you call yourself a Christian? but you're merely dating the church? That is not biblical Christianity, beloved. That's simply not biblical Christianity. Are you merely dating this church? Or have you committed to this church? Are you giving yourself in love and service to this body? Or are you standing aloof? Are you giving yourself 
as far as using your gifts and your skills and your talents in this church? Are you bringing your tithes and your offerings into this church? All these things I can say about Mike and Amy. Mike and Amy, really from the very first time I met them, they were never dating the church. <laughs> they were loving the church. They were loving this church. Beloved, Jesus Christ hasn't called you uh, to go out with Him on a date. He calls you His bride. I don't think much of modern Christianity understands the metaphor. Of course, if you've been married, you understand the metaphor. If you're single, you don't know exactly the kind of commitment that God is calling His people to. It's uncompromising commitment. Nothing comes before Jesus Christ and His church. That's what He's called us to, beloved. You know, I, I've said this before, but I just want to insert this, that ICM will certainly never cease to exist because God is unfaithful, but we could cease to exist because we are unfaithful. Every wave of internationals must stand up and be the church. Because probably 80% of you, if not 90% of you, will be gone in two years. While you're here, you have to stand up and be the church. If you don't stand up and be the church, the church stops uh, existing at, uh, here in this little garage. Karen and I, we can't be the church. You're the church. You have to be the church. Mike and Amy have been the church. <laughs> While they have been here. You know from reading your Bible, God is radically committed to His people. All you have to do is look at the cross. Jesus Christ is holding nothing back. He's radically committed to His people. He's given Himself away to His people. Guess what? He calls you to the same thing. It's the marriage metaphor. He calls you to be radically committed to Him, beloved. This is simply the call of the New Testament. Jesus has wholeheartedly, passionately, and sacrificially committed Himself to His people. This is how He has loved us. Oh, and you know what he says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. We're supposed to love one, one another as Jesus Christ has loved us. He's called us to something quite lofty and weighty here. And I love what Joshua Harris says in that excellent little book. Loving Jesus like this and committing to His body like this is not optional. It is not optional for someone who calls themselves a Christian. Now I know in much of modern Christ Christendom, it seems like it's optional. Well, I call myself a Christian, but I don't give myself to the church. I don't love the church. I'm not being poured out in the church. I'm not loving God's people like I ought to. I'm not using my gifts in the church. Beloved, if that's true of you, don't call yourself a Christian. This is a minimal definition of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I love His body. I love His body. I give my life to His body. It's not optional. <laughs> I know many people 
act as if it is, but it is not. You know, the, the thought of an uncommitted Christian, the thought of a nominal Christian, it is the quintessential definition of an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? It's a nonsensical statement. It's a contradictory statement. An uncommitted Christian, it's a contradiction in terms. All you got to do is go back and look at the first century. You know, if you were uh, a Christian in the first century, there was no way you'd be nominal, especially if you were a Jew, because to follow Jesus, you lost everything. Even your family cut you off. So by definition, if you were a Christian in the first century, <laughs> you were committed. <laughs> you know, it's just not like that anymore. You can call yourself a Christian and pretty much just live like the world, date the church at your convenience. In the first century, it wasn't like that. In fact, people, they, they began to be called Christians simply because they were true followers of Jesus Christ. You know, could someone look at your life and, and, and could they tell that you're a follower of Jesus Christ by looking at it? Some third party looking into your life? Could they tell? Would they call you a Christian? Beloved, there's no such thing as a nominal Christian. So I want to speak just briefly tonight about from, from the, the great text in Romans chapter 12 about what God calls us to be in the body. We've got to back up real quick. You know, in Romans 1, chapter 1 through chapter 11, uh, Paul is writing the, the most beautiful theology, arguably, in, in all of the Bible. And he gets to, to Romans 11.33 and he breaks out into doxology. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. Verse 36, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. It's uh, this, these 11 chapters in Romans, this beautiful salvation theology. And Paul breaks out in doxology. And it's no coincidence that right after that, <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, that's how I want you to live. I want you to live that O. Oh. You know, true Christians understand the O oh that Paul's talking about there. This is not some foreign concept to them. We get the O. Oh. He's a great God. Our salvation is incredible. Of course I'll live for Him. Try to stop me from living for this great God. Try to stop me from loving this church and giving myself to this church and pouring my resources into this church. Try to stop me, I dare you. <laughs> I, I think this is part of what, what Paul is calling us to. And I think the Holy Spirit is uh, using the Apostle to call us to this. You get down to, you heard the text read 12.1. He says, man, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. I love how the King James translates it. This is your reasonable response. Do you believe God's in the womb? Do you believe God's in the manger? Do you believe God's on the cross? Do you believe God's in the tomb? Do you believe He came out? Are you living like it? Can the world tell you believe all that? by the way you're living out there, beloved? And, and, and can your fellow uh, uh, Christians uh, see that you believe all that because of the way you're, you're involved in this body? By how you're involved in the body? I love what John MacArthur says about 12.1. Romans 12.1, he says, the call is to give ourselves away. 
He says, this is not some mystical, monastic, monkish kind of thing. And this is what I love. He says, it's tremendously pragmatic. I want to give testimony that Mike and Amy, they are Christians. They are followers of Christ. And their love is tremendously pragmatic. It's meaningful. It's effective. It's passionate. It's God-blessed ministry in the body. That is their legacy. That is their legacy as they... Leave us. Romans 12.1 is not a burden for us to live up to. It is a, a privilege to embrace. As a pastor, all I can say when someone like that walks in the door and they hang around for five years, you get on your face and you praise God that you have people like that. People who really love Him and people who give themselves to the church. They don't stand aloof. They don't date the church. It's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of, I love Christ and I'm committed to Christ. I will give myself to His body. Beloved, that's what Christianity is. I know it's devolved into a lot of other junk in many, many places. But you call yourself a Christian? Love this body. Give yourself to this body. Pour into this body. That's what Christians, that's what Christians do. You know, and we, you, you guys know this. You've been around some. Some of you guys that have been Christians for a while. There's this, there, there are there all these spiritual paradoxes. You know, when you pour yourself out, oh, guess what happens spiritually? You are filled. Guess what happens when you give? You receive the one who surrenders finds victory. The one who is humbled, he will be exalted. The one who forgives, he is forgiven. The one who dies to self, he will live unto God. So, you know, people hang back and they say, well, I, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to get too close. I don't want to give too much. I don't want to get too involved. You lose! If that's your attitude, you lose. Because of all the spiritual paradoxes that are true from God. God says, give yourself away and I'll fill you up. <laughs> this is what God says. I'll fill you up. In verse 2, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, He begins to tell us how this works. How does it work? Because our mind is renewed. How does that work? Mike talked about it. Amy did too. They're students of the Word of God. I give testimony. They're students of the Word of God. Amy talked about it. She's been changed here by the Word of God. They've been changed because they've been in the Word of God. Their mind's been renewed. God says this is how you do it. You become, uh, uh, you know, you give, uh, well, chapter 12, verse 1, you give yourself away. You give yourself away. You come into my Word. You learn who I am. I'll renew your mind. Beloved, it's a function of being in the Word and then God says in verse 3, I love how He says it. And really, verse 3 is the fruit of, of the end of Romans 11 and, and uh, the first two verses of Romans 12. It's the fruit. It says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. Humility. Right? Humility. We, we encounter God. We, we give ourselves to Him. We're in His Word and we're, we're, we're operating in humility in the body of Christ. All humility in the body of Christ. 
We clothe ourselves as 1 Peter 5, 5 says, clothe yourself, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Philippians 2, 3, with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. We are spring-loaded for all of those one another commands. I'm not going to give you the references. I don't have time. If you want the references, come ask me. You know all the one another commands. To love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, rejoice with one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, encourage one another, be hospitable to one another, be tender-hearted to one another, confess to one another, pray for one another. This is what Christians do in the body of Christ. Beloved, there's no such thing, I know you've heard me, if you've been around for a while, you know this, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. You can't be a real Christian out there on your own. You can't do it. This is not how God has designed it. It will not work that way. You're supposed to be a part of the local church. You're supposed to be, let me say it this way, you're supposed to be an integral part of the local church. An indispensable part of the local church. Verses 4 and 5 here. Uh, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this. this we see here this body metaphor. It surfaces here. Uh, in the text. This is brand new in the Old Testament. Uh, God talks about His people as the bride, as the vineyard, as the, as the flock. This is brand new in the New Testament. We are uh, compared to the body of Christ. So what? So this. We are in Jesus. And we are to function uh, as one in Jesus. That's the whole meaning of the metaphor. We are we are the body. He is the head. And we are indispensable in the body. If you're a Christian, you're indispensable. You have to be here. Or the body doesn't work right. The body won't work right. If you're not doing what God has prepared for you to do here, it's their legacy. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody in here is perfect. But their legacy is they loved Jesus here. They plugged in here. They were used of God here to establish this church. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Let me turn real quick over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm, going to, I'm just going to read verses 12. Uh, and 14, 12 through 14 to you. There's, there are six times, one word's repeated six times. Okay, this is an easy test. You'll do well. I want you to tell me which word you hear six times. I'm going to read the text. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For even as the body is one, and yet as many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, uh, so also in Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether... Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Okay, okay I, I know I helped you there. What word did you hear six times? One. You're supposed to be the body of Christ here in this redeemed garage. For as long as you're in Milan, the church is not the building, you're the church. You're the body of Christ. And if you're not pulling your weight, somebody else has to pull your weight. Beloved, 
Or the body just limps along because you're not doing your function. I, you can tell I get jazzed about this. I think all pastors do. This whole thing about I'm a Christian at my convenience. I abhor it. And I see it, I see it all the time. At my convenience, I'll serve the church. That's not the call, beloved. We are one. We are Jew. We are Greek. We are slave. We are free. We are Italian. We are Nigerian. We're Malaysian, American, uh, Australian, Eritrean. Uh, we, but we are one in Christ. That's one thing I love about ICM. We are one in Christ. Amen? And I don't know, I've told you this before, I don't know if I can go back to the States and, and just do church with the... Uh, some people that, you know, they're all the same, they think the same, they look the same, they talk the same, they, they smell the same, they eat the same, you know, and I, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I love the diversity, man. I love worshiping with brothers and sisters from all over the world. You know, an international church is uniquely qualified to highlight how God makes people one. We magnify Christ when we come in here. We've had 77 nations in this church for in the last 10 years. And when we come together and we love Jesus, it's, it means something. It means something. The human body is mysteriously complex. Uh, as you know, many moving parts. Uh, but there's this interrelatedness, this interconnectedness, this interdependency. That's what you're about. I need you to do your job. I need you to do your job in the body. Just like you need me to do my job in the body. Or the body cannot function as God has designed it. Real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15. Just a few, few comments here. Just, just to give you that picture of the body. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. And Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body. Someone tell me, how did God place you in here? What, is, what does it say? As He desired. I think Amy mentioned it or Mike did. I say it a lot. You're not here for your job. You're not here to go to school. Merely. You're here to make much of Jesus in this place. And in Milano while you're here. That's, that's preeminently why you're in northern Italy. Because you're on God's errand. If you don't believe you're on God's errand, then I wonder what you really think about as your Christianity. You are on God's errand 24-7, beloved. And I know I'm jazzed. I can't help it. But you are. So am I. Jesus Christ has died for us. And He says, pick up your cross and go with Me. The problem is most modern Christians are unwilling but beloved, that is 
That is always the call. He has placed you here as He desired. Listen to John MacArthur real quick. A Christian who does not have a ministry in the body is a contradiction. He is disobedient. He is denying God the right to use Him in the way that God intends. When we refuse to follow God's will in this, we deny His authority, His lordship, His wisdom, and His goodness. Amen! Amen. I think he's right. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. We understand that. Ephesians 5.23, Colossians 1.18. So are you listening to the head? Are you listening to the head? You will know by how you relate to this church. Are you listening to the head? You will know by how you relate to the local church. How you're plugged in. How you're loving and serving this body. Verses 6, uh, back to Romans. Romans 12, 6 through 8. He, he begins to talk about the gifts that he's given. Look right there in the middle of verse 6. It says, The Lord has given these gifts and let each one exercise them accordingly. What is your gift? I don't know. Ultimately, I do know your gift is yourself. And God has called you to give your gift to this church. You give yourself to this church. Now, there may be some uh, gift in the particular, some specific gift that you may have. Of course, you're, you're to employ that here. But ultimately, your gift is yourself. And God says, exercise the particular gifts I give you accordingly. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7. Now there are varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you're a Christian tonight, God says He's given you a gift for the common good of the International Church of Milan. If you're a Christian tonight, God says He's given you a gift to help equip the rest of the International Church of Milan, the body of the International Church of Milan. If you're a Christian tonight, God says He's given you a gift to build up the International Church of Milan. So I'm going to challenge you tonight as your pastor. Will you obey Christ when it comes to His body? Or do you prefer dating the church? Almost every time God brings up the the issue of gifts, the body metaphors right there. And I love how Piper talks about it. Piper says, man, don't, don't, get, be, don't be overly concerned about putting a label on your gift. I mean, you know, we understand there's some gifts that are labeled. That's great. He said, but don't get fired up about that. He says, get fired up about doing what God's called you to do. Be in the body. Love the body. Serve the body. Equip the body. Build up the body. Be fired up about that. And as you do that, you will find your gift. Your specific gift. You find it when you work in the body. That's how I, I've told you this. That's how I found out I was a preacher. It was the night I preached for the first time. The, the, the preacher was out. And they said, Jim, will you preach? I said, okay. And I preached. And I knew I was called. If I'd have said no, I would have never found out. Apparently. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be you got to be at work, beloved. you got to roll up your sleeves and go to work. That's how you find your gift. you got to put your hands on the body of Christ. you got to be in it. 
You've got to love it. This is what Jesus has called us to do. I love how 1 John 3.18 says, God says real Christians love one another not with word or tongue, but what? Someone tell me. I bet some of you know that text. But in deed and in truth, essentially, do the Word of God in the church. Do the Word of God. Minister, love, serve, give, visit, uh, pray, meet needs, etc., 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 etc. There's a thousand things to be done in the church. So authentic Christian, the authentic Christian is not dating the church. He is in love with the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of our Creator, Redeemer, God. And just quickly, verses 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Uh, do what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I'm not going to have enough time to go all the way through the text, and that's fine. Uh, I'm not going to worry about that. But God is calling us to, to, to heartfelt love. I, I looked at the original language here. One translator translated this, this, these two verses, be lovingly loving with loving love. Don't you love that? That's, your, that's who you're supposed to be in this body. Be lovingly loving with loving love. I love ICM because I love Jesus. The degree to which you love Jesus will always be visible in how you love His body, beloved. If you are careless with the body, you are being careless with your God and your Savior. This is what we've been called to do. You know, in all honesty, uh, as I was saying, I love diversity. It's easier in the States. I, you know, it's probably easier where you're from. You know, you, just, you can huddle up in a group of people just like yourself. But, you know, once you get used to hanging out with internationals and, and, and knowing Jesus and loving Him together uh, with different nationalities, it, it's... It's, it's hard to ever go back. And that's one thing I love about ICM, again, is the diversity that we have here and, and the unique opportunity we have to, magnet, to, to, to really uh, show how Christ brings the body together. Colossians 3.11-14 There is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. And so as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, here's your job description in the church. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. This is biblical Christianity, beloved. This is your call at the International Church of Milan for the season that you are here. This is your day. You must stand up. You must be the church. Because if you don't stand up and be the church, the church won't be here when the next wave of internationals come. This has nothing to do with God's unfaithfulness. It has everything to do with our unfaithfulness. So you must stand up Beloved, just like they did. Just like they did. 
So as we say goodbye to these guys, this dear brother and sister, I exhort you to follow their example. Don't date this church. Love this church. Love Jesus through this church. Love the body of Christ. In and through this church. So, are you treating the body like Jack was treating grace? Are you merely dating the church? Or have you committed? Are you giving yourself in love and service to this body? Are you using your gifts and your skills and your talents in this body? Are you bringing your tithes and your offerings into this body? Joshua Harris is 100% right. He says none of that is optional for the Christian. It is not optional. It's the bare minimum of the call of being a follower of Jesus. I'm in the body. (laughs) I am in the body. Beloved, Jesus Christ has not asked you out on a date. He's asked you to be His bride. (laughs) And those of you who are married, you understand that's 100% commitment. That's a 100% commitment. So I will close with the Apostle Paul's words there in Romans 12.1. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. This is what real Christians do. And King Jesus will say to His bride on that last day, Come, you who are blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of Mine, even the least of them, you did it to Me. He's talking about the body. He's talking about the body. Maybe some of us, I don't know. Maybe we need to go home and evaluate our commitment to the body of Christ. Say, Jim, you're being strong. I know I'm being strong. Beloved, this this is... You're the church. You are the church. You've got to be the church. Wherever God plants you, anywhere in the world, you have to be the church there. You're never any place by accident. <laughs> it's by the sovereign good pleasure of God and He's placed you in a specific local church because you need to be there. And I need you to be there. So, beloved, no more dating. (laughs) Let's give ourselves, let's give ourselves wholly and completely to this worthy bridegroom. Amen? A worthy bridegroom. A worthy bridegroom. Let's pray together. What a great God You are, Lord Jesus. What a great God. 
What a great God. Forgive me, Lord, when I become distracted with things that don't matter. When things that don't matter begin to steal part of my heart, forgive me, Lord. I know who owns my heart. I know who deserves my heart. Forgive me, Father. Help me to love the body as I should. Help me, Lord. And there may be others here tonight who would echo that prayer. Lord, You know our frame. You know how weak we are. You know how easily distracted we are. You know how easy it is for for us to get into bad habits. So Lord, we cry out to You, great God of grace and mercy. Help us. Help us be Your people. Help us to love Jesus like we ought to. Help us be the body of Christ in this place. This place You've brought us to in Your omniscient providence. We are here. So Lord, I pray that we would understand we are here to be Your people here. To make much of Jesus here. And I I thank You for my brother and sister. Again, thank You for them. Thank You for these five years. Thank You for bringing them to us, Lord. And bless them as they go. We pray all this in Your awesome name. Amen. We'll just just dismiss. Uh, We won't sing tonight, so... We'll just dismiss. I know, I, hey, you got to forgive me. You know, I get, I get jazzed sometimes. Let me turn this on.